0: The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Alright, let's get it going right here, right now. This is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to an all-new New Generation Declassified didn't know by now my name is Chad and every single week we take a journey back in time and we go back and check out the finer days of professional wrestling and on this show we talk about the World Wrestling Federation's new generation era this week of course it's no different kind of piggybacking off of last week I had Joe Feeney join me to talk about In Your House 4 and I alluded to uh, somebody joining the program that uh, never made it but I think he's going to make it right now and since I'm already in the old spiel, I got to welcome him in here. Jane, you're coming in hot cuz I already uh, started rolling. So uh welcome to the program, my friend. Just when I think I'm out, they suck me back in. <laughs> well, I suck you back in of course because just, it's a franchise.
1: Why? Another- just another great Wednesday here in Pittsburgh. It's uh it's, as you notice, I'm still in the bunker, though. I'm keeping the Twilight Zone at bay out there.
0: <laughs> well, if anybody knows your stories, uh, the Twilight Zone finds you, whether you're in the bunker or you're not in the bunker. It finds you somewhere in that world. <laughs> Dude, I
1: I could put my head in the sand, I could climb into the grave, I could do whatever. That Twilight shit will still find my ass. <laughs> it's.
0: As always, Shane. But that's the best part about uh, your day-to-day activities—is you really have no idea what's going on. I know the movie The Truman Show is like uh, 25 years old at this point, but if they want a sequel, they could call it the franchise show and just stick that camera right in front of you, 24 seven. We, well, we definitely got
1: at least good grounds for a uh, a copyright infringement there. <laughs> Oh, without what,
0: a shadow of a doubt. What's been
1: going on? I the whole world's been going by not doing any podcast. And uh what's happening? What's new? What's what's shaking?
0: Well, well, you're joining me on New Generation Declassified right now. Okay. Oh, that sounds it sounds deep. So New Generation Declassified, I uh break down the era that is uh Vince's WWF nineteen ninety three to nineteen ninety seven. So you're joining me on this program to talk about one little instance that I want to bring up, uh, but it might not be what you think. So uh, I I have to pick your brain. Uh, this this shows a labor of love. See, my wrestling podcasting has been in a, as a, at a minimum over the last uh, year or so, but this show seems to still have a little bit of life because Shane, even though the era was down in terms of attendance and fans watching. It seems like people look back at it with a little bit more fondness. And I'm talking about that cartoony era. So what do you think it is (laughs) that draws people back to watch something that's now 30 years old, and now they're giving it a second chance and saying, well, it might not be as bad as I thought it was. Well, I
1: mean, the obvious, you know, the the underhanded pitch here is uh, the Elon Musk walking into Twitter with a sink in his hand. The the low-hanging fruit would be that I think in comparison to what the fans are getting from the industry and mass. And that, for some time, is very non-reflective of what the wrestling business used to be. They all grew up on. How many times in in in, uh, uh, triple threat podcast do we talk about you know the powerful opiate that is nostalgia? So you know, for those people that are, are watching today, I don't think it has anything to do with them. You know, besmirching anybody in the business today. I think they're just looking at it and going, "Well, I remember when this stuff used to be great." And you know whether it was you know cornbally or cartoony or whatever you know sports entertainment whatever you want to call it, even in comparison with you know the gobbledygookers and the doink the clowns and uh, you know all the rest of this stuff, uh, you know it, it's it, it, I don't think it's still even to that stands up in comparison. They, the whole point of the wrestling business then, as if i have going to explain this to any fans out there. <laughs> is because they get it keenly well, right? It's, it was about characters uh, carrying out a storyline, baby faces getting shine, heels getting heat. It really is, like Bill Watts has always said, a, a, a very easy form. We're not curing cancer. And somehow over the years, that sort of like, whew, just took an off-ramp someplace and went into La La Land. Uh, you know, and, and I really do believe it's that easy. You know, it's that simple of, a, of an equation. And again, without belaboring the point of, of things that we've talked 10 million times about in the Triple Threat podcast with, uh, you know, the, the, the massive number of fans that used to watch back then, well, you know, that made it water cooler talk, right? You went right. to school, that's what all your buddies were talking about. If you went to work, that's what everybody at work was talking about. And I, I would dare say that the, you know, with as amazing as the technology can be, the technology now has sort of siphoned this down into a much, much smaller crowd because not watching on TV, not talking about it at the, at the uh, water core, not having tens of thousands of people fill up arenas and stadiums all over the place. It's, yeah, if you want to go on and talk about the wrestling business today, you can get on there, and there might be a lot of people, there might be a few people, but it, does, it, it, it seems to me that it doesn't have the penetration that television... Had because everybody was watching television. I don't right. think everybody today is on, uh, uh, you know, the, the social medias and uh, the TikToks and you know all the rest of it. So I, I really do think that all collectively putting all those things together, that it, it it really undermines today's current product compared to then. And I'll leave one final point and give get a chance for you to get in here if you'd like. Uh,
0: Maybe <laughs>
1: keep in mind that like the gobbledygooker, right? the guy playing that character seemed to belong to like an incredible (laughs) wrestling family, the Guerreros, uh, you know, and, and Doink the Clown. I mean, same thing, the original Doink the Clown, you know, these guys were guys that had been in the business for a, 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 you know, a boatload of time yeah, and were damn good at the craft that they were doing. And so at that point, those characters were easier for them to play as they were aging and, and going into and, and, you know, it really is that simple. I think this is like the, the obvious, you know, uh, deer running in front of the car. And this, it is right. simple.
0: I got to dial back to, uh, to uh, the gobbledygooker for one second before I get to my point about what you're saying about, you know, the, the basically the two eras versus each other. You were there in 1990 when the gobbledygooker uh, took place. And when you saw Hector Guerrero come into the locker room, I'm sure for the first time you thought you weren't going to see him going underneath the chicken suit and become the San Diego chicken of the WWF. What do you remember about Hector Guerrero donning that costume and, and trying to make something of it? Because he did. He was a yeah. professional. Yeah,
1: he, he was a pro. And look, I am one of those guys that was a huge mark for all the Guerreros and their work. So, and of course, I've known Hector for some time. Great guy, great, great guy. Uh, we None of us had seen him getting dressed. In fact, as my as I recollect, when we walked in and we saw the, the egg sitting there, we had no idea what it was for. And even if you ask somebody, hey, what, what's with the egg? <clears throat> Nobody had any idea. Everybody's like, no idea. <clears throat> I don't know. Do you know? And everybody's asking. So I'm not sure if anybody. I certainly never saw Hector getting dressed. Uh, it wasn't until I saw it afterwards, you know, after they did the whole, <laughs> what I would say was a debacle. Um, <laughs> but. You know, again, it was, and it really didn't have long legs. I mean, you probably know better than I do. It it wasn't. Were there any matches off that? Or?
0: No. So he never like officially had a match. They brought him to a couple more house show tapings and TV tapings, and uh, basically the when they wanted him to start doing a little bit more of like the uh, aerial maneuvers and kind of moving around in the suit, he couldn't see. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there was one Coast show I think it was in Florida where he just like he he. I don't know if he fell flat on his ass or what, but it basically was the beginning of the end. And, uh, you know, they could tell when he came back through the curtain, he couldn't see what he was doing in the suit. And that was the end of it. But, you know, again, it's Hector Guerrero. It's this illustrious family. Even at that time, the Guerrero men still held weight. And here he is, the San Diego Chicken. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, and you you said about how
1: these guys are professionals. You know, I think the the ultimate example of that is Dusty Rhodes, right, in the yellow polka dots, and, yeah. uh, and and you know, and and you know, uh, his, his ballet and everything. And I think most people would have said, <laughs> probably somebody sitting right here would have said, "Hey, yeah, you know, screw it. I mean, I can't make that work." Right. You know, D- D- again, like Dusty was. I think there's a reason Dusty Rose goes down as listed as one of the masters in our sport because you know that he could make something like that work. Uh, just you know, from a guy like me, like whoa, kudos, that's fantastic.
0: The chicken salad out of the chicken shit, right? Yeah, yeah. There oh, you go. You, oh, sorry, sorry. To I, bad so I'm gonna, I'm gonna bleep it. I'm gonna. Bleep, yeah. If I got you on the show, I have to have the bleep handy. <laughs> um, so what I was gonna say before we talked about the gobbledygooker was. It was a little bit more palatable as a television watcher in 1995. So the product might not have been up to some standards, but at least you could sit down and you could watch it and take out commercials, which I did as a kid. I used to sit there yeah. with the stop and the record. You take out the commercials. Now you got yourself, what is it, like, uh, like 43 minutes after the commercials? So That's much incredible. more palatable. 40, 48 minutes back 48. Then. So there you right. go. So you could sit there. You could watch it on Saturday morning. You could watch it on Monday. And what we were talking about, so the, the previous show, I did talk about the In Your House 4, where we, we went over everything that happened that night, including the, uh, the whole story with the Intercontinental Championship. But even that show was only two hours. Yeah. And that was a pay-per-view. And granted, secondary pay-per-view, that was the model was lower the pay-per-view price try to elicit more buys and give you a palatable show. But where this kind of backfires, this was the fourth in your house pay-per-view. Each one subsequently went down in buy rate each show. This one, 90,000 buys in your house four. yeah, it went down and down and down, but in your house five, I'll tell you this, this is even worse. And now you were, you were, well, you're technically you're, you're at in your house five, but you don't do anything. Um, (laughs) The uh, oh the buy rate's not even out here. It was something like eighty thousand buys or something. It's their lowest buy rate uh, ever.
1: Yeah, that that's shocking. And I, I never paid close attention to that, you know, for WWE because I or WWF because I just always assumed that you know they were going to have strong numbers on whatever. Uh, but you know there is, and I remember like in the early days of pay per view, uh, there was this ongoing debate what's too much what's not enough you know can we you know at first it was the one then it was quarterly you know we're gonna do four of these a year then that became every month and and the whole time the numbers kept going upward 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 right and you know so you could see why the greed of the company would say oh, hey let's let's do it every day if we have to uh but i think there was some wisdom into trying to cap that you know at, at you know two hours like you said uh four was because uh and i liken it to like music you know concerts that i i like to go to i just had gone a few weeks ago with moose to see um night ranger and had never seen them what a great show if you're if you're a fan of the music go go check them out because they they really go but no opening group they came straight on at eight o'clock played solid 90 minutes and was out and walking out you didn't feel like you'd gotten gypped or ripped off. You thought, man, that's a great show. And, you know, it's fairly early. You can get home and, you know, do whatever. Uh, So, you know, I think there was always the ongoing debate. What's too long? What's too short? What's too many? What's not enough? And, you know, it just kept going, kept going, kept going to where we had what? uh, WWE, uh, uh, Raw versus SmackDown were having their own pay-per-views. And it became this... You know, this really overarching thing. And I think you can see like in that where the industry really lost sight of what does it take for the average American family to go out and buy a 50, 60, 70, $80 pay-per-view. And, you know, for I would think a vast majority of American families doing that four times a year, probably not a problem. No, maybe even doing it every month might not be a problem. But when you start getting okay, now there's two, there's three, between WCW, SmackDown, Raw, and all of that, you know, it uh, it, it becomes onerous. It became onerous.
0: So what they did was, so the uh, the big five at that point, twenty nine ninety five pay per view cost. They dropped the in your house model to fourteen ninety five. The first show, the in your house one, does three hundred and thirty two thousand buys Ooh. in May. Of 95. Ooh. So to and bring that all the way down to 90 in October.
1: Yeah. So three months later, we're almost at a quarter of the buy. Wow, that's crazy. disastrous. It's cow.
0: incredible, but you get you were there. Is that indicative of everything that was going on behind the scenes? You guys we've we've talked about it before a lot. I've asked you a bunch of questions about those Canadian tours and going yep. through those random ass towns yep. in Canada, which is funny because in your house four is in Canada, it's in Winnipeg, at the Winnipeg Arena, but granted, bigger city compared to some of those other stops that you guys would go to, but is that kind of, so when you were coming in, and when you were being wooed to October, and now you're in uh, the house, 10,000 at the Winnipeg Arena that night.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and you're looking at it, and you you knew going in that, you know, the not guaranteed contracts and all that, which meant the, your paychecks were being based off the house. So you're looking at the, and, and when pay-per-view came around, then of course, you know, the pay-per-view. So, you know, around the time I'm coming in, not long before I go on the road, they're having numbers like that, you know, really selling strong, strong numbers. And then just <laughs> blink your eyes in a month or two later, you know, that's down through the floor. Like I said, almost a quarter uh, or three quarters less of what they were doing. And, you know, you, this this should have had to anybody, most certainly Vince. You know, because again, like everybody knows my feelings for him and his for me. But like I said, I'd never say, tell you that I think Vince is stupid, right? Uh, which you might have to revisit at some point with my <laughs> latest uh, <laughs> info dumps. But you know, as a businessman, there's very few on the planet that are a better businessman than Vince McMahon. And you know, him watching those numbers drop precipitously you know, was there any, uh, you know, like like one of those things, like the old sci-fi movies, like get inside his head. I would love to be able to climb inside that head at that time and see like, what's he thinking? It, it, does he see that, you know, why this is dropped? What's, what caused it? Too many pay-per-views, the, you right. know, this sudden ultra shift towards, you know, cartoon land, a combination of those things. But if you look for some time after that, they were, they were continuing down that same path. So I don't think he had learned his lesson.
0: No, and when you come in, so I'll give you a good example. Pittsburgh was the host of SummerSlam that year at the Civic Arena. 18,000. P- Pittsburgh Civic Arena, 205,000 buys. Down 100,000 buys from the previous year's SummerSlam. Mm. But still respectable for oh, what yeah. we would see three months later. So now what I want to talk to you about was, okay, we know the the story with uh what happened at the pay-per-view you know you were gonna you were going over clean originally correct yes okay and then the story is you show up scott hall's like hiding in the background in the shadows he emerges the new plan comes out you then have the great kind of like out of the match where you have your leg underneath the bottom rope the camera doesn't catch it right yeah so there and again i'm not we're not going to relive all this i'm just going to glance over it all to get to where i want to go next Okay, so that night, so that's you're in the you're right underneath the main event, you're 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 knocking on the door, right? 11, I think it was a 11, 11 minute title rain, and then the the match was uh 11 minutes, right? So there 22 minutes of sunshine right there. Uh, the story goes, and this is where I want to know if you you have any kind of um uh inside knowledge on this. That night, they said Vince blew a gasket after the show was over, and I- that. On what? So after the main event, uh Kevin Nash, Davy Boy Smith, he shot, he threw his headsets down at ringside, went right to the back, dressed both of them down, dressed down Pritchard, dressed down the agents, dressed down everybody, said it was one of the worst pieces of shit he ever put on his airwaves, and was just vehemently pissed off. Now, this card is not the strongest card in the world, and I wonder if all that was a building, you know block of steam that then set him off. You you don't remember this at all? I,
1: that's the first that I recall hearing that. Uh, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I think in the match with Scott, if I'm not mistaken, was I spitting blood at the end of that match?
0: Shane, they don't put the camera on you. So I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, You're, you? I mean, <laughs> and first of all, and this is the other thing too. And now when I had a, a, a guest on the other night, we were talking about that match it's not even that you lose with the back suplex and you have your leg sticking out of the rope. It could have been you could have cr- you could have dropped an egg in that suplex and it wouldn't have broken. It was so soft, yeah. And you get the leg out, but the camera is so straight on. If you don't know what you're looking for, you wouldn't see it. Yeah. So I, for him to blow a gasket at the end of the night, it might have been just because the whole night was kind of fucked. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I mean, as I recall, I and i not like i sat and paid close attention to the rest of the car but i remember that night that it didn't seem at the end of the night that the crowd was very happy i and i remember mentioning to somebody whoever i was traveling with chris and uh tammy and and uh justin probably that uh you know yeah i hadn't seen if i'm not mistaken that was the uh I had fractured my larynx in that match. Okay, and had to go to the hospital that night. And but I remember, you know, the 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 sound of the audience. Remember, my generation was taught to listen to audience, hear, you know, play, play it by sound. And uh, but it, you know, <laughs> what I'm, the ironic thing is again, you know, this is the first I'm hearing this. And
0: breaking you news. Know, <laughs> with,
1: with, yeah, but with all due respect to Vince. He had to sit down before that show, look at that card on paper and say, yeah, pal, let's do it. Um, you know, it's – I don't think you can really fault the guys unless – and I don't recall – have I don't have any recollection of the Dave Boy Smith and uh, Kevin Nash. Uh, by the way, uh, this is probably one of the only times we'll be public on this. My deepest, deepest uh, uh, sympathies to Kevin and his wife uh, – I. I just can't imagine losing a kid. That's just awful. That's so my sympathies to, to him and his family. And uh, But I, I don't – I'm pretty – well if I left to go to the hospital, I would not have seen the match. But, again, okay. Vince would have had to approve this. And, and on paper, sometimes guys that well, it might be a great match for something Like – I've talked before about Rick Steiner and I. It's not like he's doing anything wrong or I'm doing anything wrong. We just don't – just our styles, for whatever reason, just never meshed. Uh, right. I'm going to have to go back now that you say that and watch that card over uh, because... Not good. He, yeah. <laughs> hey, well, it's well, very man, weak. I could sense it, you know, again in the audience, like we're out there doing our piece. You know, like whenever I grabbed the belt away and everything, it seemed that there was... Uh, hey, watch this. Here,
0: here it is. Ready? Look at this. Look.
1: Yeah.
0: And now watch the camera. So here on the side, there's your leg. Look, they switched to the far shot. Yeah. You're not going to tell unless you know what you're looking for. Right.
1: Well, and the announcers should have, and as I recall, having watched this before for a similar reason, Uh the announcers make no comment of it. And No, it says, I'm reading
0: it right here. Whose shoulders are down? Who won the match? Oh, wait. <laughs> I'm reading the closed captioning. I think Douglas had his arm across Razor. They're not even bringing up the leg. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and it's, again, like in doing that, you know, like I said to Vince earlier that night, you don't think the fans are savvy enough to say this is a babyface to babyface belt change? And look, I'm selling it as if they've done the finish the way we're supposed to have done it.
0: Right. Yeah. Stuff uh, there.
1: You know, it's you know, so you can imagine. Like in my head, in my mindset, after that, okay, got me, won't get me twice, right? So, uh, you know, and and then they wonder why they, there's this overriding thing in the in the you know sentiment in the dressing room when they ask somebody to do a job or they you know they want somebody to put somebody else over you can see what why those guys up there go yeah i don't know it might be problematic you know because you can't trust them right. not not a good thing in our business
0: so he has he blows the gasket at this pay-per-view okay so this is october the next month is a survivor series <laughs> The night after the Survivor Series is the infamous Richmond uh, Raw taping. That is where you you went in, correct? And you you basically you, that was that was all she wrote. But was this night the first night where you said, "I think I'm on my way out," but on your own? When, when did it click for you that you were done? Uh,
1: there. <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, I. I I can't specifically remember when I, I knew my, but this would have been after the, uh, when I was going up there on Sundays and you're familiar with this and doing the the vignettes on the Sundays before I went on the road. Right. And you know, and the infamous story of me doing it the first time Vince's way and him leaving yeah. the room. Uh, I knew right then, like, I had a pretty good inkling in my head like this is not good here. You know, if, if, if you can't discern which one of those were better, uh, you know, it's it's hard to really take a lot of uh, uh, what's word I'm of looking for. Hope that tomorrow or next week is going to be better. That somehow this kind of mindset, you know, is 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 permanent. And the fact that, every single person in that room, ten minutes before Vince came back, were like, "Yeah, that one was great, man." the other ones are off. And they come back, and Vince makes eye contact with them. It was like very almost Bengali right? like, right? <laughs> What do you think of that match uh, there, uh, (laughs) Chad? You know, it was pretty clear. Well, what do
0: you think? (laughs) What do you want me to say, boss?
1: (laughs) What did you think of the match, right? It's, uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's, you know, in hindsight of time, I'm looking back at this and and I'm wondering to myself, you know, with how many shows, how many pay-per-views and all the rest of it uh, that was going on at that time, You know, how many different talents were in and out and, uh, you know, all these storylines running side by side and this one's getting over that one's not, you know, and I don't mean to give Vince like any kind of get out of jail free card here. But, you know, when you're in that position and you're on the spur of the moment needing to make a decision, hey, this card looks great. Let's go forward with it. But again, like I've I've talked how many times about this, any trained eye in our sport any trained eye can look at something on paper and make a decision as to whether or not this has great opportunity you know, or possibilities or it has yeah, possibilities or boy, the possibilities of the shits. And, uh, like at that time, looking back, I remember thinking to myself, like not, I'm not talking about this particular night. I'm just saying in general, you know, you'd look at the lineup on the wall and go like, that looks a little bit thin. You know, it's, uh, uh, you know, and same thing with how we've heard these stories since of, you know, Vince walking in and saying, you know, tearing up the script, you know, a few minutes before and that, that, that the writers have, to be fair to them, worked on all week long. And now after 15, 20 minutes come up with a new one, uh, you know, it just seems the, the, the there there's a little bit of a, uh, guilt that somebody's you know, should be pointed with. Somebody should have to carry that guilt and and up there, you know, and that fights them. That is WWE, Vince from Manland. You know, that ultimately would be Vince, the guy that's calling the shots, right?
0: Right. Well, he tore he tore up the scripts in more recent years. Back then, it was him and Pat and a book and a pencil. Yeah. Six, seven months out, maybe even the next year's WrestleMania main event, and then working backwards, right? you know, and it's just, it's amazing that he could get to this point in 95 where they started off, you know, still in, it's basically the same roster mm. at the beginning of the year that it is at the end of the year, dare say a couple additions like yourself and a couple guys leaving, mm. but You know, you look at a guy like Nash, who was in the driver's seat as the champ, but they gave him nothing. I mean, they really, they set him up to fail almost. He he was almost the champion for 365 days, just short, about six days short. Mm. And you got to kind of point the finger at Vince. And and that's why the business was down at 95, because he just kept making the wrong decisions. Now, I want to bring up Bill Watts, who was there for almost the entire duration that you were there Uh. Now, had Bill Watts had a little bit more control, I think the story of Dean Douglas may have changed a little bit. But nonetheless, yeah, what do you think?
1: It, well, absolutely the thing about Bill is, and like I've told you before, Bill was not a cheerleader for anybody. Uh I don't recall he was he was high on Doc because of Doc's, you know, four four time wrestling, four time football, all American. But you know, even Doc, if he if he'd go out and do something messed up in the ring, you know, Bill would be there. Uh but Bill was and is a fervent believer that in professional wrestling, your heels must have heat. The baby faces have to chase. You know, it's the, you know, the, uh, what is it, the 12 trials of Hercules. Uh, you know, these are age old from the dawn of time. Uh, the babyface obtaining what they're chasing sort of kills the story off, right? They right. Has to, And the more heels do the underhanded, dastardly things to keep you know, the babyface from catching those things, only Bill, at least in Bill's philosophy and mine, ramped that audience up even more. I'd never seen a babyface get screwed where the fans didn't come back next time. You're well, like, that's it. Taz didn't beat Shane tonight, so screw it, I'm never coming back. Uh, it works every single time. Uh, but Bill, you know, I mean, let's face it, Bill was not the Bill Watts there of UWF or mid season no, no, or no. even WCW because he really, whatever power he had, was always going to be subservient to what Vince had, right? And uh, I would have loved to see those two t- t- dancing in the in the, the dressing room and in the office at points because I just know Bill Watts was not a big proponent or believer in the same things that Vince did.
0: Can't even imagine what <laughs> the conversations were, how the yeah. negotiations went down. I would think that Vince would be afraid, <laughs> Bill right. Watts personally.
1: Right. Well, you know, you, you to mention Kevin Nash again. You know, it's easy to sit here and say, you know, play Monday morning quarterbacking and saying, "Well, you know, look when he was champion, the you know the, the gates were down and everything else," and assign the, the blame of that to Kevin. And and sometimes they, there is uh, a blame to be pointed there. Uh, but if you're putting, say, me on top as the champion and expecting me to draw, and then you're gonna previous to that have beaten me in this babyface to babyface belt switch. And the announcers making no comment of it and things like that. Naturally, I don't have the heat that I would have had. Right. So if you're putting me into a main spot and expecting me to help draw because the fans are gonna be so angry, well, the fans aren't angry at me. To the fans, I'm a joke. Right. So why why pay to go see that guy? Christ, he he you know he got a belt and lost it in 11 minutes. And you know it's the same thing I was talking earlier this week with a buddy of mine about the ass kissing thing. Now if Vince were on here. I would love to ask him. So you have baby faces coming out on your show mm-hmm. and putting their lips on your rear end.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: how does that elevate that baby face? Uh, you know, to me, it makes them look like fools. And you know, it, it's it, all these things. So I, you know, I think again, like how many times we've talked about this in in the Triple Threat podcast, where I jokingly say, you know, the genius Vince McMahon. And to be fair, Vince did some amazing cutting edge things that had never been even thought of in the business before. But to just carte blanche say, okay, well, he was pretty smart over here, so that makes him a genius and everything. I think now that we have you know, decades to look back and see the things that were being done there and understanding that Vince McMahon doesn't take a backseat to Bill Watts or to Pritchard no. or even Pat Patterson. And I think you get a little bit more of a complete picture of that genius.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, listen, if uh, Kevin Nash uh, threw the touchdown pass in the air, which was like the WWF audience, his buddy caught the pass and spiked it on the uh, the the the, you know, right outside the end zone, because his buddy who would win the belt next would, you know, kind of bring the business down a little bit, a little bit further while Kevin then goes off and revolutionizes one side of uh, the war. All right. Last question before we wrap up. So your last appearance is December 17th, 1995. That is the in-your-house pay-per-view. This is where you have a broken freaking back. And you still managed to come out in your full Dean regalia. But you were not wrestling. You were supposed to wrestle Ahmed Johnson. So (laughs) if you didn't have a broken back, you would have had one maybe by the end of the night. You would introduce Buddy Landell to be your replacement. But this is not the Dean that we see that night. That's the franchise, and you completely dropped the monotone voice. And this is now who we know and love—the franchise talking.
1: Yeah. Well, I I knew I was leaving. Well, what are they going to do? Fire me? Make me <laughs> crappy? They'd already been doing that, uh, you know. And and they they did exert some pressure to to get me to perform, and they're saying, well, you know, we can do this and we can do that, and all the rest of it. And by that point, I was I was a little scared, you know. I mean, like you know, having having a bone broken in my back and. And let's face it, Ahmed, you know, I got along fine with Ahmed, but, you know, not exactly safe in the ring. Mm-mm. And I thought, like, you could almost read this coming, right? Like, <laughs> idiot gets in the ring with a broken back and ends up, you know, paralyzed the rest of his life or something. And, it, it like, again, it would do nothing to elevate me. It would make nothing to elevate Ahmed. Uh, but because Buddy Landell was coming in there, I I saw that, you know, there's a way for us to do this. Because, you know, I, I've always looked up to Buddy's work. I thought Buddy was a damn good in ring performer and as i recollect they pretty much did the same thing with that guy didn't they i mean like not a whole lot with the incredible buddy landell
0: 45 seconds that's it and you're there you're you're at ringside yep. and uh buddy landell 45 seconds all the stuff that buddy had done up to that point hershey right <laughs> just gone Hers- Hers- but- hershey- but PA? yeah hershey pa yeah and uh, that, the main event of that show is Bulldog and Brett in a extremely bloody match, which, you know, they didn't get the okay. There was a, quote, hard way. It's always yeah. a hard way in Brett's match where Brett gets the color. Yeah. Um, but that's a great match. And had sure. that maybe – that could have saved the show in Winnipeg <laughs> two yeah. months before. Yeah. Uh, but this one – no, this is your last pay-per-view appearance. The infamous last night working for the WWF was the next night at Madison Square Garden Where Vince says, you're working. You said the doctor isn't going to clear you. Yeah. He tells you to basically, or Arnold Scullin is the one that says, get your bags, right? Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: you know, I wonder, like as you're just saying that, because I mean, you know, I recall that kind of stuff, but Brett and Davey, I mean, let's face it, you know, any wrestling fan knows how great that was going to be. Yeah. I wonder if this, I'm I'm guessing it, it is, you know, Vince having looked at that previous debacle, and then, you know, coming down and doing what Vince does, right? Hey, we're not going to have that happen again. And, you know, look around the roster in the locker room. Who's there? And uh, yep. You know, and, and let's put our best hands on deck. And uh but curious, again, like what, how the month before. You know, I, I'm curious about something. I mean, I, I know there have been some great matches and great cards in Canada. But in, at least in my memory of when I was there, both in 90 and 95, it seemed to me that Vince treated Canada almost like an afterthought. You know, like, well, yeah, we're going mm-hmm. to Canada, but, you know, we're going to New York next week or Los Angeles next week. It seemed to me to at least that, to be that way. And I don't know if that was just my take on it at the time or. Uh,
0: no, you're, you're a hundred percent right. And I'll tell you why. So on that card in Winnipeg, there's three dark matches after the pay-per-view ends. Okay. The main event of the of the show to the house is Bret Hart and it's Isaac Yankum, DDS. Well, that's a whole other uh, right. can of worms. Right. Yep. But Bret isn't even on the pay per view. Bret is the main event for the house. Yeah. Makes what? no sense. He's <laughs> it's Bret Hart in Canada on pay per view. Don't get it.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Bret Hart Canada pay per view. Yeah. Let's
1: put him on dark after. Never no even have him on the pay. mean, what the hell? <laughs> it's just stupidity defined personified. And the reason I say that is Vince clear one time I said uh uh you know it epitomizes and he said no it's personification human so personifies stupidity. <laughs>
0: Thanks Vince. <laughs> so uh what were your final thoughts walking out of Madison Square Garden for the last time? Pure million pounds lifted off your shoulders. Like
1: you know again when I didn't go up there with the thought of leaving after a few months I you know I I had gone up and had bought in. You know, like I didn't want to leave DCW, but you know, I'm thinking, okay, at my stage of my career and everything, go in here, have a good run, make the best of it. And I and I really did try to make the character get over. Uh, I, I've heard Sean and the guys like, me, you know, say, well, he wasn't very good. Well, by the time I worked with them, they're probably right. Because, right. you know, the the pays had sucked, uh, really, really bad, on the road constant, starting in the semi-main event, and You know, Vince's last, not last, but one of the last things he said to me before I signed was, took out a piece of paper and wrote a number down and hands me this piece of paper. He tells me that's his private line. Anytime, day or night, you have any problem at all, call me, pal. Well, I did once or twice. And what I got was, well, that's the way I want it. (laughs) So it didn't matter (laughs) if I didn't like it. That's the way he wanted it. So, So I got the phone number to call and just hear him confirm that to me. I, uh, again, I, I went up there in hopes of, I, I, I believe the Dean Douglas character, the way that it was pitched to me anyway. And, uh, you know, with all due respect to the, to the guys that were there, uh, you know, this was going to be a lot less wear and tear on my body than say ECW was. So I, I had every reason to think that I could go up there and make it work, you know, get right. a good two, three year run in and be done and, you know, do whatever from there, uh, you know, obviously that didn't happen and I, I don't think it happened it did not happen because of anything I was doing or not doing it was pretty clear to me and I guess you'd have to ask Vince himself if you could ever talk to him what his reasoning was in hindsight it's been my my fervent belief that he had to get that get me out of the ECW and get that microphone out of my hand in ECW because I was slaughtering WCW and WWF Right. And that was a good way to do it. Dumb thing is, is that he could have made a shit ton of money in the process of playing his rib. But, uh, you know, it just, it, it, you know, again, I think that it, it speaks very much to the whole genius routine. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it, uh, all it did was it recharged my batteries to get back into ECW and, you know, but to answer your question, I, I left there with Damien, uh, you know, the ECW merchandise manager and, I really had felt like 10 million pounds had been lifted off my shoulders. Like, whew, okay, because I knew I was never going back. And that wasn't a comment that I made like, okay, well, maybe in a couple of years if things calm down or I changed my mind or whatever, I, I was not going back there. And I haven't gone back there. It's I, you know, I, I, I remain proud to this day that I've been able to forge the, the legacy, whatever that legacy is of the franchise. And had never performed on a WrestleMania, never kissed Vince's ass, literally or figuratively. <laughs> and he wanted uh, you to, though. You know yeah, it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. My ex-wife was standing there, she was in bed sleeping, right? And I'd I wax, you yeah, gotta come see this, hurry up. So we're standing there, both of us like this, watching the TV. <laughs> <laughs> and when 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 he finally you know finished milking it and bent down and kissed his ass. I'm, I'm sitting there like, I'm like, what in the hell? And she looks at me and she goes, I'd like to see him ask you to do that.
0: <laughs> the ones that he got, it's like there was that little bit of him that was getting off. The one that always bothered me the most was Marty Jannetty, yeah. Because you know, with all the struggles that Marty has had over the years and all the, I think he leads the WWE record for uh, firings. You yeah. know, that was some perverse way of getting himself off was having a guy he, Kiss his yeah. ass for his job. Yeah. And that's the one that always bothered me the most. The other ones, it was bad comedy. This one was like, that's a little too close to home for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I,
1: like, see, I, I viewed them all the same way. You know, like, it's first of all, it's, it, it to me is just a bizarre uh, show of power, right? You know, uh, that, you know, you, like I've always said, like, what do you get a billionaire for Christmas? A tie? He's probably got 10 million of them in his, in his closet. What Vince gave himself was the ability to fuck with people's livelihoods. Yeah, and uh, you know, certainly not just me, and certainly not just me and Marty. There were, it's become renowned how many of the guys have gone up there. We talked about Hector Guerrero earlier, and yeah, it just I mean, like, goes on exactly. and on. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> you know, if you've got talented guys like that, uh, you know, in varying degrees, you know, I've, I've made no uh, secret that. I thought Sean, and still think Sean, was an incredible in-ring performer. Uh, same thing as Flair, right? But the fact that they, for some reason, digressed to the lowest common denominator of the politicking. I was always pretty, you know, cocksure of what I could do in the ring, and always believed that hey, if you're if you're better at this than I am, if you're going to draw better than I am, knock yourself out. Uh, Because, again, I come from a time in the business when we were paid off the houses or the buy rates. Uh, Right. So, you know, again, that is written in stone, That's in stone. The fans are going to make of it what they want to make of it. Uh, But I don't think it's coincident that, you know, we saw this multiple times before I went there. We've seen it while I was there. We've seen it umpteen times since I left there. And how many times you heard this story. You know, one of the things that I, 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 I can't speak for every one of these guys. Uh, but one of the things that I think is a real shit reply to like uh, uh, what we did or said after that is that was well, just Howard grapes. I I, what I just told you when I walked out, first of all, I gave my notice. I didn't get pushed out the back door or fired. Uh, I couldn't afford to work there anymore. And i I just told you my honest feelings about walking out that day. So it certainly isn't isn't sour grapes, but my take on it has always been, you know, let the younger guys that are being lured by the same bullshit I was lured by up there to at least go in with eyes wide open.
0: Well, you might have thought the Dean Douglas saga ended when you walked out of Madison Square Garden, but the Dean would make one more appearance. In professional wrestling, I think you know what I'm talking about. I gotta October, bring it up. October
1: 31st, Stanford, Connecticut, baby. <laughs>
0: 1997 was the year. This, <laughs> a, guy, a guy with a yellow mask and Dean Douglas's singlet <laughs> made his uh illustrious return to uh, to the ring alongside a uh Lone Ranger mask, Body yeah. Donna, that same yeah. night.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> we. And, 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 and do you have the rest of this? Like where?
0: Oh, risking- this is the full match. This oh, this, this is, is the twenty eight minute uh, match between uh, you and uh, Candido against Furnace and LaFon. Yeah. Uh, you're, I know what you're looking for. I'll, I'll move it up just for your uh, S's and G's. God, I just but yeah, uh, <laughs> I just
1: love looking at Chris. You know, watching Chris there. He's he. You know, he's just so damn good.
0: You guys dressed up as your favorite WWF superstars, <laughs> yeah. and much to your dismay, the uh, familiar music of the Heartbreak Kid would echo through the arena uh, yep. momentarily. Uh, first and, of all, what a tan, by the way! <laughs> and look at the quaff. I mean, it's you know the, the,
1: you know, heavy is the head that has to wear that crown. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah.
0: it. Yeah, the uh, the music hits here momentarily. Yeah, there you go. You guys are reacting yeah. to the music. Here's Francine. I mean, she's him. reacting.
1: Yeah, and, and and the house popped big on it. Like it was and here comes the heartbreak kid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great.
1: It's just tremendous. I love Meanie. <laughs>
0: the blue Meanie with the uh, the chaps, he's got the sunglasses, he's got yeah. gyrations, he does the whole uh, shebang. I think I guess uh, Nova is supposed to be triple H. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I guess now if you watch Meanie, he's got the entrance down perfect. Oh, yeah, he absolutely does. You know, and he, he does the right thing <laughs> That's great. That's just good comedy right there, bro. That is just good stuff, especially in Stanford.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable, yeah. Uh, I mean, he, for anybody who wants to watch it, it's now available on YouTube. It's ECW Fright Night. <laughs> it's uh, it's quite the show. Uh, LaFon at the end of this match, gets on the mic, and he calls Francine. I forget if it was a twat. Or if it was something, I he uses such a odd slang term yeah. <laughs> to her. It was incredible because he didn't expect it coming out of his mouth when he picked the mic up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Phil, pretty laid back. both, you know, he and Doug, great guys. I mean, just you know, easy to work with. Um, pros through and through. You know, I, I'm still shocked at Doug's passing.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, that he was, was, like there. Oh, he's in such That's great the same shape.
1: One. And it's yeah. Yeah, just crazy, like what happens. It's, uh, you know, for all you kids out there, like watching, you know, my mom used to say, "Like tomorrow's promised to none of us," and you know, take that to heart because, uh, especially if you're in this industry, it's <laughs> you can be here today, gone tomorrow.
0: Yeah, and he's been gone for twelve uh, for ten years already. Oh my God, is that not crazy? Yeah, uh, March second, two thousand twelve. Wow, yeah. Over ten years, <laughs> almost eleven. My so, uh, yeah, best
1: drop kick in the history of wrestling.
0: Unbelievable heights, you know, yeah. and with that hair too, with the way the hair would flip back. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, you guys and, with your hair.
1: <laughs> and bear in mind, I don't know what way he got announced that, but because he had those monster tree trunk legs, he had to be like in the 260, 70
0: range, wasn't he? Uh, they actually well they bill him here in this bio at two forty three, but there's no way at his at his peak he had to be two sixty.
1: Yeah, easy two sixty. I you know. Again, those legs were, I mean, they were massive, his legs. And, you know, for any kid out there, anybody, any fan of the business, if, you, if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, this drop kick, go back and watch Doug Furness drop kick. It's, uh, you know, fantastic. I mean, just, he hits and he does like a complete backflip over and landing off the drop kick. It's just beautiful. It was beautiful to watch.
0: It was. Yeah. All right, Shane, as we get to say goodbye, uh, working on a very cool project, the franchise is friends... Why don't you tell us uh, about the YouTube uh, channel and everything going on with the uh, the franchise and his group of all-stars?
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's we're always being invited in to do these podcasts and interviews and shoot interviews and virtuals, and, you know, I don't know why this always amazes the fans or surprises the fans, but, you know, Francine and I text and talk probably 50 times a week, uh, and, and the guys that you're friends with in the business, you have these ongoing conversations, you know, whether you're on the card with them in a car with them somewhere, calling them up to check in. And so we came up with the idea of, like, let's do sort of a uh, a talk show where whatever the hot topic of the day is, uh, and let's kick it around and hear what true wrestling legends have to say about this. You know, it's uh, right now, the episodes we're going to be popping up is... Uh, I think we're on episode two, part two right now, yep. uh, yeah, which is better, AEW, WWE. Uh, of course, man and Francine, uh, the chemistry is <laughs> undeniable there, right? Uh, the uh, Nasty Boys, uh, Jerry Sags and Brian Knobs, and of course, uh, Luke Williams from, from the, uh, uh, I still say Sheep Herders, right? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and, and so you listen and you get a real cross-section of what we, we think. I, I think a lot of times... I, in our heads we think of it this way but i think also fans do uh sads and knobs and, and luke were wwe or wwf guys shannon Frenny were ecw uh talent you know and you go through this and, and i think people expect to get at ecw point of view or a wwf point of view and because i've known these guys all so long uh we can sit down any of us and uh and i think if anybody's watched the first well, it's it's two episodes, but two parts. parts. So, yeah. three, three of these mini uh, episodes that uh, are, are averaging eight to 10, 11, 12 minutes each. So, you have a quick watch in, out. But you really do get like there's, I assure the fans, zero of that was scripted. We didn't tell anybody what to say, what not to say. Incoming call there, but. Uh, no, you're good. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, so I would ask the fans, go out and check it out on my Twitter, on Francine's Twitter feed. Uh, you know, go on and check out the uh, uh, the episodes. Uh, let us know what you like about it, what you, what you'd see changing. The nice thing of it is right now is these are test reels, right? We're, we're, we're just testing out, like, what the fans want, what they like, what they don't like. And uh, I think it has a lot of legs to it, a lot of interest. Uh, and, and let's face it, not like there's not an endless supply of stories that, uh, and topics that we could hit on.
0: I love it. It's consumable. It's, it's, it's very, very, uh, as I said before, palatable. You can watch it in one city. You don't have to keep pausing and coming back yeah. and you get a, a nice, uh, if it, as long as you can keep the nasty boys reined in, I think it's <laughs> yeah, some very yeah. good conversation, but you, they could go for days on anything. You could ask them what colors the, uh, the sky and yeah. there'll be a 30 minute discussion between the two of them.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there, and there were more than a few times though, the guy was taking the cues from the director and they couldn't, of course, see it. So, like, I would try to wrap it up and, you know, to keep it <laughs> into this time frame. And the one point, I said, ah, oh, fuck it, just let them go. And we you're went you're, and you're all going out. like this. You're like, oh, stop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah on, pretty like, I, If I'm not mistaken, I have to ask for any this. I think at one point I said, well, you finally shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, jokingly, but it was just like, okay, guys, I'm going to get out of here. <laughs>
0: No, I love it. It's great. It's Franchise's Friends on YouTube. You can go to YouTube, type in Franchise's Friends. And so far, Attitude Era or the Current Era, which is better? And AEW or WWE, which is better? And again, you could watch them in one sitting. They're so uh, easy to check out. Uh, and of course, and I have done this in a while, but if you want to check out uh, the Franchise on social media, it's at TheFranchiseSD on Twitter. Uh, of course, he's the guy holding the little sign up, proving that it's in. So there we go. No, still no blue check mark, but we'll find that guy sooner or later. And, you and know, we, we know I'm what to do even with
1: him. Not it anymore because now I can plausible deniability, baby. You know, if if, if the uh, the wokesters in in our government come after me because of something I said, well, I didn't say that. I don't have a blue check.
0: <laughs> that's it yeah it's not you yeah it could be anybody with uh the the shane douglas moniker hey there's a De- i was looking up dean douglas there's a dean douglas who's a professor at like the university of like kentucky and he's also like the ceo of some like marketing company i was like hey dean <laughs> douglas is doing pretty good these days <laughs> you know, dean is going on he made a better life for himself I just didn't want to click on his LinkedIn profile because I didn't want him to think I was like, you know, searching for him or something. Yeah, so yeah. I just saw it from afar. I, I kept my distance. But uh, it's been unbelievable to have you back on in Appreciate a podcast it. capacity. You know, you and I uh, we talk yeah, yeah. very frequently and we'll continue those conversations. But to uh, look across the screen at the Quaff has been my pleasure, of course. Thank you. And, right. as, as you always know. But if anybody wants to follow me, the old little Chadster, it's at Chad EMB on Twitter, at IB Exclusives on Instagram. My website is IBExclusives.com. There you get all my autograph signings and everything going on in the IB Exclusives world. And uh, hey, if you want to buy a Chadster t shirt, you can go to slash IB Exclusives. And the Chadster shirt is there, uh, Shane. Nice. I don't know why I haven't gotten you one yet. It's like <laughs> yeah, I, I only call myself the Chaster because of you. You started calling me the Chadster.
1: <laughs> I I I had this third I, I, like my my roommate from college. His son's Dirk. He's Dirkster. Every uh, it's uh, just I, for whatever reason, my brain works that sort of childish way.
0: Everybody now, they, everybody calls me the Chadster across podcasting, right? Sweet. And when they say, "Oh, where did you come up with that?" I go, "Was it me?" I go, it "Was the franchise?" He <laughs> started calling me the Chadster and it's stuck. <laughs> Yeah, it's easy, right? I mean, easy to remember, but hey, it was great
1: being, you know, I I sort of, you know, this, this is sort of easy doing this podcast stuff. It's mm. <laughs> so, don't, don't hey, get me started. Even, <laughs> just for so the fans, though, like this was supposed to be recorded last night, right? And, you know, I, I I zonked out early. And then today, you know, we had talked like what a couple hours ago, and I said, you know, cut a few stops. So I stopped down to get, I'm going to get a little bit of lunch meat at the deli counter, right? How hard?
0: Well, it's well, again, apparently, where's, where's the Truman Show? <laughs> yeah,
1: apparently Bill Watts had it wrong because it, it really is a rocket science. But uh, anyway, it's great being with you, man. It's, I really appreciate it and look forward to seeing everybody out there. Uh, by the way, this weekend, Francine and I will be out in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Heroes and Legends out in Fort Wayne on Saturday. So looking forward to seeing
0: everybody out there as well. Absolutely. And I can't, I'll i hear all about it, I'm sure, on Eyes Up Here with Francine, which you can get on the Creative Control Network every single week, uh, but that's enough out of me. It's enough out of the franchise. Uh, I'll let him close it out. I usually say we'll catch you on the flip side, but I'll let the franchise uh, close out. New Generation Declassified this week. New Generation Declassified.
1: I always get this backwards. The guy right over there running it. Make sure you tune back in to get the next episode, or <laughs> get your ass franchised. <laughs>